Tyler. Hello. Exciting news. Oh. Change your, yeah. We're going to change up our format a little bit. Ooh. So we're going to kind of start with what we think is just some quick fire headlines that maybe Wonderful. don't warrant discussion. And then we'll kind of get into some stuff we do want to talk about. All right. Well, let's do it. All right. So Anna Kendrick is starring in a psychological thriller called Alice at Lionsgate. Hmm. That's all we got. Remember that Joe Exotic, Nicolas Cage project at Amazon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like they're not doing it anymore. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah. And then the Emmys happened, and apparently comic books were all the rage. One Division, oh. The Boys. It's about time. Yeah. And then, funny enough, Don Cheadle got nominated for his 32nd fucking role in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and he doesn't understand why. <laughs> we also have season two of Loki getting renewed, which I think makes sense. Yeah, that's that's definitely some exciting news right there. I think that was a no-brainer. Yeah, for sure. The director of WandaVision is doing a new Star Trek. Oh, that'll be interesting. Yes. We haven't had a new one of those in a while. Yeah, it's definitely been a bit. That Power Book Raising Canaan show is renewed for season two ahead of its premiere. I should really it, check that out. Yeah, I've been, it's been on my list, but I haven't got into it yet. And then that Last of Us show casted another voice actor. Oh, that's pretty cool. Jeffrey Pierce. Nice. The voice Tommy. Nice. And two other people, Con O'Neill and Marie... Oh, no, that's the director. Okay, I don't know who these other two people are, but they added two more. Nice. Indiana Jones 5 has yep. Antonio Banderas now. That'll be, that'll be something to see. That cast is actually <laughs> filling out. Quite nicely. Yeah, no kidding. Remember that John Wick spin-off Continental show? Mm-hmm. It's now a limited series. It's going to be a three-night, three-part special with the same budget as the movies. Damn. That I cannot wait for. Yes. And then, you know Vince Gilligan? Yeah, I've heard the name. Yeah. So he just signed a four-year deal with Sony, and that's all we know. Ah, all right, Milligan making some bank. And that is our quickfire news. All right. Whether that stays the same week from week, we'll figure it out as we, I don't know, see how yeah, we like we'll, that. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Play with some different formats here. Yes. All so, right, well, on to the, uh, the deep discussion stuff here. Yes. I called, I called it the other week. Dexter, bring it when we found out that John Lithgow was coming back. I said, all right, well, that's just a matter of time before they bring back Jennifer Carpenter. Yep. And sure as shit, here we are. Jennifer yep. Carpenter to return to the Dexter revival. Yes. And funny enough, like right after this, John Lithgow was in an interview and he all but confirmed kind of what we were thinking. Like, it's a flashback. Because mm -hmm. he was like, I was on set for like half a day. And he was like, so like he and like he didn't like tell the interviewer, but he's like, I was there for half a day and you kind of saw how my character ended. So like 
say what you will, like it's it's probably a flashback. Yeah. Which, which I'm fine with. Yeah. I, I and to be honest, like I think that makes sense that you do the flashback with those characters because I mean they're some of the main ones in that show, yeah. right? So did you check out the trailer? Oh buddy, did I ever. What'd you think? I'm excited. Yeah, it looks like like Although, it looks OG Dexter. For the most part it does. It just there was a few scenes in the new trailer where it was kind of like I don't know, a little concerned for lack of a better term. About like, like, it, like when he's getting chased down by like the militants with fucking rifles and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, like this that like the rest of the trailer it was like, okay, this is Dexter and he's back to struggling with his dark passenger. I'm into this. Yep. I like it. He's like a high school teacher or something. Yeah. But then it's just all of a sudden there's like militants running around and then you get the the vibe from the trailer that like someone is trying to like hunt him and I'm like, okay, so is this going to be like the finale that we all deserve where we get some kind of closure with Dexter or is this, they're like, well, we're not sure what to do. So we're going to turn this into some kind of like action fucking assassin film where someone's out to try and assassinate Dexter. <sighs> that I wouldn't be on board with that at all. I wouldn't be either. And that's where I got concerned. I mean, it's only like a, the trailer's all of like two minutes long. Yeah. Like it's just a teaser. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to, to tell for sure. But yeah, when I saw the guys running around with guns and Dexter was like, it kind of hinted that like Dexter has to deal with this like group of people that are coming after him. That's where I was kind of like, well, okay. I'm, I'm, feeling a little hesitation now but i mean i feel oh, like at this point anything would be better than the series finale that we got that is true like i it, they can't unfuck that original series finale but like i don't think they can make a worse one i god i hope not oh i'm i like i I'm, here's what i think is like what's going to be the premise is like something happens to someone in that town or like something bad happens in that town that he's like theoretically made a new life in and he's going to like kind of go vigilante. I bet that's how I bet that's how it happens. That's what I'm hoping for. Like someone, you know, gang beats or something like one of his students or something. And he's like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to I'm going to go with these fuckers. And that's what makes him kill again. Like, I would assume that's what it is. And that's what I'm hoping for. But just seeing the presence of like what looked like military trained dudes with assault rifles running around that made me concerned that either someone's chasing him and it's like Dexter has to kill a fucking hit squad or like somehow in the story it turns out that there's these like militant people kind of coming around and it's like so Dexter takes on like a militia I I, I got different vibes so like until I get another trailer I'm excited but I'm slightly hesitant now yeah i i yeah there's a lot of room to fuck it up because well, it's, it's like just, it would be out of the norm like dexter is someone who goes after the bad guys and kills them but it's typically speaking like a one-on-one or maybe he'll have to like take out one or two guys to get to the one guy that he wants to put on his table but like if this uh, somehow turns out to like dexter versus a small military force of some kind that's, that's not just, dexter no. It's not it's like that's not the character, right? Like the character was always like the like he was a planner and like he waited mm-hmm. weeks until he like got his target, right? Like that was Dexter, right? Like he's 
I'm going to slowly make the perfect plan and then execute it. And if shit happens, he'll deal with it. But like, he was never like, I'm going to pick up this handgun and go John Wick. Yeah, exactly. Do you think they actually killed Dexter at the end of this one? I don't know. I think, I think maybe, I think they might go out a la like, uh, I think they have to breaking bad. I think they have to. Because I, I don't think they can tease the fans like they did last time, where it was like, oh, maybe, because, like, wasn't that part of the finale? Is like, maybe he's dead, and then the credit scene was he's in a village or something? Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think you can play that card again. No, and I, I think they really only got, like, one shot at this. But then again, I mean, that's, who knows, like, if uh, Michael C. Hall is, like, super into this and likes playing Dexter again. And maybe they get the viewership that they want. Maybe they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe we'll do a couple more. Because, you know, studios are greedy. And if it performs well, maybe they try to add another season or two on top of this. I don't... I don't know. Well, I would have to see it. Who knows? Maybe, like, it, they ended and it's like you could do a few more. But I wouldn't mind if they just did this and fixed the ending, to be honest, too. Well, that's kind of what I was initially hoping for. But, I mean... It's Hollywood and they're out of ideas and they want to just turn out money. So I don't think it's off the table to say that if this does well, that they might either try to a turn it into some kind of spinoff with characters that are introduced in this alleged one-off season. Or if they go, okay, Dexter still has a solid fan base. We can keep making money at this. Maybe we'll turn it into like a limited fucking run of seasons and do one or two more. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be curious what they end up doing with this. Mm-hmm. But we'll see, I guess. Yeah. What else do we got here? Netflix. You remember Netflix? Yeah, I've heard of it. So they're expanding into video games. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I haven't read a whole lot on this story. But it just, it seems super fucking weird to me. Yeah, so it seems weird until, like, so me being the weird business guy, like, when you look into some of their investor calls, Netflix has always said that, like, internally they don't view their competition as other streaming services. They essentially view their competition as, like, screen time, which is accurate in this age, right? Like, it's... It's not necessarily shows that are competing for people's time. It's like, what are people doing on their phone and on their TV, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're competing with all of that. So, like, when they were talking about that, they were like, we see our biggest competition is, like, stuff like Fortnite that has, like, 100 million people playing it. Yeah. So, they're like, if we can get into that, then they can ideally make more money. So... You know, I, I get that from a business perspective on how to like keep eyes on the screen, like essentially keep eyes on whatever Netflix is doing. But where I want a whole lot more information is when they say they're getting into games. Does this mean now I have to put the eighth fucking game launcher on my computer or like, is it console games? Is it mobile games? Is it PC games? What kind of games are we talking about? Are they going to buy into other libraries so that with your Netflix subscription, you can play Star Wars Battlefront? So what they're saying right now is they're starting in the mobile game space, and it'll just be done through the Netflix app. Yeah, and then that doesn't... 
I don't really play mobile games, so I don't give a fuck about that. No, me neither. Like, but I mean, like, it makes sense to them because, like, mobile games are fucking huge, right? Like, yeah. So then my next question would be are they, do they have their own Netflix gaming studio where they're making their own mobile games right now? Or are they just going to try and, like, partner up with? Well, they, they just hired a former senior VP for, the mo like they basically poached the mobile guy from EA. So I don't know that they have a division, but they have that guy. Well, I mean that's one step in this process. But, but then like most mobile games, right? Like surprisingly, only a handful of them are like subscription based where you need a subscription to play said game. The vast majority of them are like free to play, but and then Secretly, they're just they're paid to pay to win. Yeah, they're monetized, like disgusting. So yeah. So which route? If this is the route they go, and they're going to start with mobile, my first question would be like, a Are they making their own, or are they just going to fucking license out or partner up with some other game studio that has mobile games? And if they do, are you are we going to get like, oh, cool, now you can p- play Clash of Clans through the Netflix app, but you know, here's all these extra charges if you want to fucking buy more Manta and gold coins yeah. and blah 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 and all it is is just like instead of me going through the google play store or someone going through the apple play store downloading a game and spending all their extra money to fucking rank up their dudes faster if you're just changing the platform in which that's hosted where you're doing the exact same fucking thing but you're doing it through the netflix app instead of the google play store yeah i i want to say that they're going to do stuff based on their own properties like, it won't just be like, hey, here's Clash of Clans, but on Netflix. But who knows? Like, who knows? I don't know. Like, when I think of them doing games, what I want them to do is more weird, like, FMV shit. Like, that Black Mirror episode they did. Like, give me weird stuff like that. Like, bring back the dumb FMV, pick your own adventure, turn left with your remote. Like, give me that. Yeah, that would be cool. But I mean, Netflix is a money-making machine, so I feel like they're going to fucking develop, I think, in my opinion, I think they're going to develop games based on Netflix-owned IPO, like a Stranger Things game. Yep. And I think to not piss everybody off right off the fucking hop, they're going to be like cool little mini story things that maybe supplement some information from their IPOs. Yeah. And they'll develop those and put those on their service and you can go around and play this, you know, Stranger Things game. And then I think with some of their other properties, they'll end up doing the same thing, but allow you to like go into the Netflix game store and spend 20 bucks to buy more coins to fucking. Yeah, I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. When you look at the top charts, right? Like the games that make the most are the free to play where you can pay extra like rank your level world character that kind of shit up i think there's definitely going to be some backlash if that's their first entry into it and then you look at all the other games that are popular and they're just casual games they're like little puzzle games like candy crush and shit where someone's like oh i got 10 minutes and i'm just going to kill some time so they fire up a few rounds of candy crush and solve some puzzles and then move on with their life yeah and i don't think that if Netflix is saying that they're competing for screen time, not necessarily just to be like, 
a dominant person in the gaming space that they're just like their whole goal. And from a business perspective, I get it is to like, make sure that Netflix is holding as much screen time as possible. Then that's not really how you would do it with some sort of like weird side puzzle game, right? Like it's going to need to be a game that someone wants to play and get like hooked into. Yeah. And they're also, you're also going to need to have some sort of social aspect to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Where it's like play with other play with your friends on Netflix, which you know, how does that get implemented? I don't, I don't know. But I mean, wait and see, I guess. But I'm I'm curious what this looks like. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I like I'd be lying if I said I wasn't curious how this all pans out. But yeah, I have my suspicions. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. But until it launches, I guess I'll just sit here and speculate. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's all we do. Mm-hmm. And then here's a, what I thought was a fucking hella interesting story. So the late Gandal- James Gandolfini got the easiest fucking payday in the world from HBO. So he was in talks to play Michael from The Office. And HBO said, what if we gave you $3 million to not do that so you don't sully your Sopranos character? (laughs) Yeah, that's wild, eh? Right? Like, so this came out of, um, oh, the dude who plays Chris has a podcast and they were talking with someone and, uh, and this was before James Spader got signed on. And they were like, yeah, they, they had James Gandolfini like booked and ready to go. And then HBO was like, here's $3 million to not do that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy. That's insane. Like, I, I wouldn't think HBO would be like that like protective of that. But I could totally see the rationale of like, we don't want Tony Soprano to be an NBC sitcom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I understand the logic behind it a little bit, but I mean, that would have been the time that might when Michael left the show and they had like their little slew of like little guests like Jim Carrey, Ray Romano and all those guys in that one episode. And they it eventually was, it was long after the yeah. Sopranos ended, which yeah. is what makes it weird. Yeah, so like that's the part that I'm just kind of not it's not jiving in my head very well cuz yeah, Sopranos is long gone. Like the show is has come and gone and it's over and like I don't know how like you they would have to someone would have had to have sat down and done some math and been like, "Oh, well, if he plays this and pulls from the Tony thing, then people aren't going to want to watch him as Tony as Tony Soprano." I don't know cuz this was also like before like the golden age of streaming too right so like i don't think hbo really had a big streaming service at that point in time no which is maybe that's why they did this is because it was in that age of like they're like premiere cable tv right yeah but that's what i'm saying though so like at most if people didn't like seeing james gandolfini as like a new Michael Scott, like at worst, what does that hurt potential DVD box set sales of the Sopranos? I don't know. 
Like it wouldn't affect their streaming game because they didn't really have one at the time. Oh. And the Sopranos was long since gone. So by having Gandolfini play some kind of like goofy, funny character for one season on an NBC sitcom, I don't see how that would hurt the bottom line of no of HBO unless they had plans to like revisit that character and that universe prior to his passing. And they yeah. were thinking like long term, like, no, we we want to keep this rough, gruff image up because there's other Sopranos related things we want to do. And if he's a goofy character, that might take away from future shows we've planned. Like, that's the yeah. only logical thing I can come up with. Yeah. And it, uh, like they say here, and this is like the people speculating why HBO did it, but they said like their best guess is like because they wanted to either maintain the legacy of that character or because so right before Gandolfini died, he was shooting that limited series with Riz Ahmed the night of, and then he died partway through it and then got replaced. So they also said it could have been because he was working on that and they didn't want him to be in the office during that. Which, oh, I, I mean, I could see that. So, but like, talk about the easiest fucking payday in the world. Yeah, no kidding. By the way, did you check out, the, have you seen that trailer for the prequel with his son? Uh, I did, yeah. A little while ago. That trailer has me so fucking hyped. It's got I, me excited, but I can't say that it's like, oh my god, I can't wait, this is gonna be amazing. No, see, that's where I'm at. But I think I'm probably a bigger Sopranos fan, so. I think you probably are too. I will say his son looks strikingly like good as he which makes sense because it's his actual kid like he definitely looks like a younger tony soprano oh for sure but yeah yeah this is uh, i i'm trying to think if i remember any other like studio or someone doing this and like you got to think it would have it would have happened with disney at some point right Where it's like mm -hmm. hey no you can't play that if you're doing this kid-friendly movie right yeah so but i don't remember anything like in recent times yeah, nothing's ringing a bell off the top of my head. But, but yeah, I thought this was cool. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I guess in our last piece of uh, interesting news here, AMC reaches a $200 million settlement with Frank Darapont and the CEA in Walking Dead Profits fight. Yep. So this got started out... This got started in 2013. So that's how long these like litigation things take because they just get dragged out in courts, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, like apparently in 2013, Darabont was... It started because he got fired from that show. Like right after the first season, I think, or during the second season. Mm -hmm. And he claims that like he was wrongfully fired. And apparently with that, like they didn't give them, maybe there was like supposed to be some back end stuff, I think is what this is. Well, and this isn't the first one either, because after looking into this one, there's also, oh man, I should have brought it up. That was stupid of me. There's someone else. I think, if, I think it's actually like Robert Kirkman and his comic book company. Someone else is suing AMC for a bunch of money as well because of The Walking Dead. Uh, let's just search here. AMC, Walking Dead. 
lawsuit. Uh, oh yeah, Robert Kirkman continues lawsuit. What is this? Mm-hmm. Uh, so is this the same? Yeah, so this seems like the same thing. that They kind of stiffed him some money out of kind of providing the source material, so. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy that Frank Darabont won because it seems like there is more and more of these cases with more talent getting, like, more of their compensation is based on, like, back end. Yeah. And it seems like studios really don't want to pay that. Yeah. So... doesn't look like in most of these cases it's going to bode well for the studios to fucking... But they're going to end up losing more money than if they would have just fucking paid what was owed. Yeah. And I think, like, this is good too, because I think when you think of, like, actors' performances, I think getting paid based on, like, a performance-based metric like box office gets a better performance, because, like, if they just get a blank check, then you could just easily phone in this movie and be like, okay, I got my new car... But if you've actually got to work for it to make a better movie, then I think performances are better, right? Yeah, so. for sure. But yeah, I'm I'm curious now if the Robert Kirk one gets more steam because of that. Like, I wonder if that maybe sets a precedent. Mm-hmm. So. It very well could, right? And like, once precedent is set, then that just kind of opens the floodgates for everyone else. Yeah. But yeah, AMC. AMC. I think that's that's all we got for for news. Mhm. So we well, watched Yeah, uh, let's let's just get into the nitty-gritty of it. All right. Fear Street trilogy. Yes. I fucking love those movies. I think those are great. I was mixed on them. I know. So the first one, I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. Second one, I was like, okay, I like this. I like, I love the summer camp ones, right? Like American Horror Story 1984 is one of my favorite seasons. Yep. So I was all on board for this, like, camp of horrors. And then the third one, I I don't know, the third one I just didn't fucking like. I like the majority of it. Like, it was nice because, like, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, when are you going to... Like, is there going to be a fourth one that I'm not aware of that actually explains how all of this finally fucking connects? And I just felt like throughout the whole first three quarters of the movie, I'm like waiting for that to finally happen. And then it does. And it's like, okay, so here's the explanation. And this is what's going on. And it's actually like, spoiler alert. Yeah. It's actually this fucking family with, with currently being the goddamn sheriff police. Yeah. The sheriff there. Who's just like writing names on the wall as like a sacrifice to like, you know, trade lives to the devil for fucking favor and fortune and shit. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's, that's an intriguing way to see how it like all ties together. And it's cool to see him go through the different like time periods of this stuff happening. Yep. But like, I don't know, some of these, like some of these killers, like when you watch the first two and they kind of do the flashback in the very first one and they're talking about all these crazy serial killers throughout history the one that seemed like the most intense and like i don't know spooky ish to me 
was the one was that church pastor or whatever with the missing eyes oh right right yeah yeah and that was all of like 15 seconds of the third movie that is true i know they they've talked about like expanding like turning the fear street into like some sort of like mini horror universe thing i don't know if they're gonna go through with it or not but i remember seeing like chat about that after it came out so maybe they end up touching on that which if they do that i think would be fucking rad well, I didn't I didn't realize until I finished the third movie and just like happened to leave the credits rolling for a second before I shut it off that it was R.L. Stein. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I had no idea. All yeah. through it took till the end of the third one before it was like, oh, R.L. Stein wrote these. Yeah. 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 Which I thought was interesting because growing up, I absolutely loved the Goosebumps novels and I thought the TV show was fantastic as a kid. Yeah. And like, are you afraid of the dark and shit like that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, it was an interesting watch. It was a cool trilogy in the way that they all tied in together. Like yeah. the way they built that universe was cool. Yeah. And like the action sequences and like the, the bloody gore kind of aspects of it were like, they were not intense where you're watching something like a saw or hostile, yeah. but it wasn't like cheesy and cartoonish where like you don't see anything and it kind of really takes you out of the moment and like you don't really feel that horror. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like it seemed like a nice kind of blend in the middle, but Yeah. I I really like the like cheesy horror aspects, like you were talking about like the action stuff. Like mm-hmm. some of the plot stuff, like I'll agree, it was kind of like meh, but like I also kinda expect that with like a campy teen horror. Yeah. And I do agree, like the third one kind of suffered as another like third campy horror movie because they also had to use that third movie to tie the to tie everything together. Yeah. Right. So, but I mean, if this is the start of like a mini R.L. Stein like campy horror serial killer universe, I'll I'll keep watching these if they're that same quality. Like, sure, yeah. seems all right. Well, and you know, I'm I'm sure I'll get fucking flack for this, but films that like try to push kind of like a pseudo hidden agenda. Okay. Don't sit well with me. Fair enough. And it didn't seem like overtly bluntly forced, but I definitely feel like it was a choice of the times we're in where like in the third one, it was a witch hunt because the two girls decided to kiss. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, okay, in that time period, there's lots of things that could have happened that would you know, cause a little town to think that there's witches in the midst. I mean, like the witch hunt we know was a real thing dating yeah. like back in the day, like the Salem witch trials and shit like that yeah. was very real. And I don't know, it felt like just because of the era we're in and like all of the LGBTQ stuff that's going on, it was like, Oh, here's an opportunity. We'll show that we support this and we'll get these two girls to kiss. And then everyone will go after them in a witch hunt because see, life's unfair and you shouldn't judge someone based on their sexual preferences, which I, I, I don't get me wrong. Like I agree with, like if, if yeah, yeah. you're into girls, you're into girls. If you're into guys, you're into guys and everything in between. Yeah. But when they kind of throw this into a movie where it's like, okay, that like, if we were to logically go back and like, look at all the times that people were accused of being a witch, it's like, yeah, it's like, I'm sure that happened, but like, it's not the main, like witch hunt kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I will say like, at least they did it well enough that like it didn't seem too forced 
like it seemed to make sense given the story they were telling but but yeah that's a fair comment i think yeah well and like i don't think it was like forced per se like in a in a very aggressive manner yeah, it wasn't it, like cw style no but it definitely to me felt like when they were trying to figure out how to get these girls accused of witchcraft and they were like well how do we go about this and it's like oh well i know what's a hot button issue around the world still this so let's let's use this yeah and they just it didn't feel natural yeah that is fair one thing that i found really interesting is they got maya hawk on board and she was only in it for the first five minutes of the first one yeah like she like because she's pretty big now like she's up and coming and it, she's pretty big in the Netflix like stuff with Stranger Things. So it seemed weird that they like got her on board and she just gets murdered in that mall in the first like five minutes. And then I was expecting her to come back later on and she never did. And I was kind of disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get you on that too. That definitely did seem a little odd to me. Yeah. Because I was like, like a, yeah. you know, like by a hawk, like with her up and coming like stardom. And I mean, you know. Having a famous mom and all. And famous dad. Right, yeah. So So. it's just, it's like, yeah. It was like, okay, well, what was the point? You could have put any teenage girl in the first five minutes and kill her off. Why did you have to go with Maya Hawk? We're like, you're going to get some recognition. But I don't know. It could have been akin to, did you ever watch The Hunt? No. You never watched The Hunt? No. Is it good? I actually really enjoyed it, but the whole premise is like a bunch of strangers wake up in a field and they're all like handcuffed and gagged and then like they start getting like picked off, like hunted by other humans. Right. So when you watch the beginning of that, you see like Emma Roberts and like Ike Barinholtz and a few other like bigger name actors and you're like oh yeah and then they just like all of them get fucking murdered off in the first five minutes and then it focuses on these other characters and you're like well, i, I kind of wanted to see yeah mike and emma and like how far they go and how long they can last and instead like all these bigger name celebrities they just they all get whacked right in the first five minutes and you're kind of like what was the fucking point of that yeah and like i can get down with that if it's done right like the one that comes to mind that is an amazing one is Channing Tatum in Hateful Eight. He shows up for five minutes and gets shot in the face, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But, like, that also, like, like, I think, like, with Fear Street, like, because I remember reading up on the first one before I watched it, and they were like, Maya Hawk, and I was like, oh, cool. Like, they kind of advertised it a little bit, and I was like, oh, but then they don't use her, so. Well, and, like, yeah, and it's it's not necessarily a gripe, or anything that like really bothered me, but like we're also in the, you know, it's a mantra that's been stated for years and years and years that like Hollywood's out of ideas, right? So everyone kind of like takes inspiration from everyone else. Yeah. And it definitely felt like they were yanking on American Horror Story vibes. Oh, sure. Yeah. Especially with the like recasting the same people. and Yeah. yeah. Which I think is. I think it's fine because I think they did it differently enough that it worked. But and I, that's uh, nothing is original. You're stealing from something at some point, right? Yeah, but know? they almost like verbatim stole the fucking format with like yeah, true, like a serial killer episode or movie, and then like the, the retro eighty four one, and then like the witches kind of yeah. coven esque one, and it's yeah. like. I don't yeah. know. I'm just I like I won't say blatantly ripped off, but I 
to me, was it was pretty ins- clear it was heavily inspired. Yes, they took some inspiration. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah well, think- all, all in all, it wasn't a bad little trilogy, and it was definitely, I'd like to see more of this type of thing come from Netflix. Yeah. And it, I especially like the format where, like, you get part one this week, and then next Friday you get part two. So yep. It kind of gives you something to look forward to where you're like, yeah, it's Friday, the new Fear Street's out. Yeah. Although I need to shit on Netflix for a second. They need to pick and they need to stop pick and choosing what they do in 4K. Because those movies were not, and it was just shitty 1080p copies. And I was like, what the fuck? All your original movies are 4K except these? Like, get out of here. Pick one. Yeah, that's a fair criticism. But, but yeah, overall, I really like them. So. Yeah, then, they're pretty decent. You checked out Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Yeah, this is my uh, first foray back into public movie theaters. Oh, yes. Yes, I've been going a lot lately now that they're open. Yeah, well, I only went the one... Actually, okay, that's not true. But th- this week, I uh, went and saw Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. And it was... I don't know. If you like the first one, you'd, you'd like this one. It's very much in the same vein where it's just Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson yelling at each other for for two hours with their interchange of comedic blows. All right. I never saw the first one, so. The first one was, I, I think the first one was better than the second one. Okay. The second one, I don't know, it almost felt like to me like they were trying a little too hard. Mm-hmm. And therefore, some of the the comedic moments were... A little, I don't know, too forced. Like they were just trying a little too hard. But all in all, it wasn't terrible. And like, I mean, when you look at the cast and you're like, oh, Samuel Jackson, Ryan Reynolds for sure. Yep. And then you get Selma Hayek, right? And she's she's no slouch. And <clears throat> then Morgan Freeman shows up and no, he's in not. there. Yeah. And uh, Tom, oh, I can't remember his last name, but he plays the big half gorilla guy in umbrella academy oh uh tom hopper yeah yep. so he's in there and that was nice to see because like other than i haven't really or like i haven't really seen him in anything aside from umbrella academy like i know he does other stuff but like at least i don't recall but like right. he comes into this one and he's basically like the new like so like Ryan Reynolds character is like a triple A rated bodyguard right in the first film and then something happens and he you have to be like a registered bodyguard like through like a governing body and like it's this whole process and he ends up losing his license to be a bodyguard by the end of the first one okay so in the second one Tom Hopper comes in and he's like the new hot shit like he's the go to triple A highest rated bodyguard out there and like I, he did a phenomenal job. It was really nice seeing him like in that role, and he did really good. Like I definitely, having seen this one and seen Tom Hopper play that kind of role, it's like if this guy wanted to, like someone could very easily cast him as some kind of like new secret agent spy thing, and he would excel at it. Yeah, and it's funny, like because I like when I think of Tom Hopper, the Umbrella Academy doesn't come to mind. What comes to mind is Black Sails, because he was in that show. And I never watched Black Sails. So. No, it's re- it's really good. Um, and then Game of Thrones, because he was in Game of Thrones. For was like he? A, yeah, I don't remember him in Game of Thrones. He was. Um, oh, was uh, he Jon Snow? No, I'm just he was, kidding. He was uh, Dickon Tarly. 
Yeah, that that name means fucking nothing to me. Like I see the pictures and I like recognize him, but I don't remember what his role was. Well, and there's like Game of Thrones. There's so many different fucking yes. roles, and they all yeah. have weird fucking names. And the way yeah, that yeah. that story goes, it's like you could see one character and have and, them die. Yeah, or you, or like even more so, like have this one character introduced, and you're like, okay, so this is going to be a major player, and then you don't see or hear anything about him for like two or three seasons. Yes, and then they come back, and you're like, wait, who's this guy? Yes, I found that happen a, a lot to me for Game of Thrones. Plus, I overall just trying to. Kind of try and forget that fucking series after the way it ended. I just, I yes. don't give it a thought. Yes. It's not taking up rental space in my head anytime soon. No. No. So. Yeah. So that was that. All right. So if you liked the first one, check this one out. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, if you, if you like the first one, you'll probably enjoy the second one. I, right. In my opinion, the second one wasn't as good as the first one, but it was still just like, just like one of those generic kind of like, comedic action films where it's like if you go in with an open mind and you don't have any expectations like it's just a fun watch but it's it's not winning awards or anything like that it's not going to blow your mind where you're like whoa that was amazing fair enough yeah and i got through oh i also went and saw escape room 2 in theaters okay how was that i liked it i don't know why but these like escape room movies, like the first one and the second one, I enjoy them. Hmm. Did you watch the first one? No, I haven't yet. You I have haven't. it on my list. I have it on my list. It's just, I don't know. It's kind of like the new modern day Saw, I guess. All right. But it's not as like. But it's intensely good. Intensely <laughs> and overtly graphic as Saw. Like, right, you go and see Saw and like the whole point of saw was to like make you squirm and squeal in your chair right whereas this one's more like okay they're trying to solve this puzzle and figure out what's going on with this room and like as a viewer you're doing the same thing you're like wait well what if they check there they should check there what if this leads to that so like you're giving it deep thought while they're giving it deep thought okay and then yeah like there's there's some like gore and some minor stuff like that but i i surprisingly saw the first one in theaters just because like i'd seen everything else at the time and it was like right. eh, fuck it i want to go i was doing like weekly trips yeah yeah. like i made a point to go to the theater at least once a week so like yeah. that's kind of all that was left i was like fuck it i'll watch it and i yeah. turned out to actually enjoy it i was like this actually isn't half bad i actually had... f- oh, sorry go ahead oh go ahead i actually find like go like randomly going into movies with like zero expectations and just being like yeah i'll check this out it usually yield the best results Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, when I saw the first one, I was pleasantly surprised. And then the first one ends on a pretty, I wouldn't say a massive cliffhanger, but it ends on a note where you're like, oh shit, there's got to be a second one. I have to see how this pans out. Right. Right. So sure as shit, they made a second one. And I don't know if, if you enjoyed the first one, then you're definitely going to enjoy the second one. And they throw in some pretty some pretty big plot twists where you're like oh shit no way interesting so do they tie like the first one and the second one together like oh yeah it's it's like a straight up sequel okay Okay. so it's like the same people okay so like they escape the escape room at the first one and they decide that okay we need to find out who is doing this right it becomes a mission that they need to find out who's doing this and why and put a stop to it so no one has to go through what they're going through 
So the second one leads them to a new city where they think they're going to find these people and then surprise, surprise, they end up in another escape room puzzle. But then they throw in some like twists and stuff like story related plot twists kind of like near the end where you're like, oh shit, no fucking kidding. And then it ends on another fucking cliffhanger, which like not only ends on a cliffhanger and lets you go, okay, there's going to be a third one. But it also ties all the way back to the first one and references the first fucking film. So like it all it actually all ties together pretty nicely. Okay. Like when you when you think about like how something like this would happen in real life, the first one you're like, okay, you know, this is something that like it would take a lot of work, but I mean, you had the right people, you had the right money. This could be some kind of sick game that rich people play. Yeah. Right. Then you then you get to the second one and then you're like, okay, similar story. But then you by the time you get to the end of the second one, you're like, okay, now you guys are kind of reaching a little bit. But yeah. you know, for the sake of the flow of the story, I'm just gonna go with it. Right. And now I'm just like, okay, cool. There yeah. there has to be a third one and I wanna see it. Yeah. And like I just looked up the budget for like the first one. And they don't have the budget for the second one, but like it's like under fifteen million, so like they're cheap as shit to make, which mm -hmm. is Bloomhouse, right? So I yeah, mean, as so, long as they make it back, they'll make another one. Yeah. So I I I enjoyed the first one. It was just like a, a fun kind of horror esque saw light kind of movie. And then the second one, I thought they did a great job of tying it into the first one. And then by the end of the second one, it like all comes together. It's like another, it's like, okay, here's another piece to this big fucking puzzle. And I'm not going to lie. I'm excited for a third one to kind of see how this, I'm assuming it's a trilogy. No, you would think, but I don't, I can't say that for sure. Cause like I never thought saw would make it to like nine fucking films, but yeah, I'll probably check these out. Cause like I've been like lately I found I've been getting really back into horror. So yeah, they're, it's a good fun time. I, I like these kind of horrors too because instead of just like watching from the sidelines where you're like, don't go in there. The killer's in there. Don't be stupid. Or right. you watch the horror movie where like everyone's like, okay guys, let's split up. And you're like, you know, sitting on your couch and you're like, no, dum-dums. That's yeah. the opposite of what you guys need to do. Don't go explore that, yes. that basement by yourself. This is terrible, right? Like all yeah. the stuff that like... Yeah. Whedon's cabin in the woods pointed out that you should never do like yes. when they made fun of all the stupid people in horror movies yeah this one as opposed to that is more like rounded well number not even just more rounded but it makes you think like right. instead of just thinking like that's a bad idea don't do it like I was actively trying to figure out what these puzzles meant and like while they're trying to figure it out uh, okay so like my mind was going like I felt like I was actually kind of involved in the film and I don't know if that was just uh, a by an unintentional byproduct that the filmmakers had in mind or if it was actually structured where they're like hey we want the audience to try and figure out these fucking escape room puzzles as our main characters are trying to figure it right. out like if, as if it's trying to like you know get the audience more mentally involved in the film instead of just passively watching it they're actively interacting with it mentally yeah I can so, see yeah. that don't know if it was intentional or not but that's how it ended up for me and that's i think that's why i ended up enjoying both of them so much hmm. these remind me of a modern day cube movie i don't know if you ever watched those but they're really I, old horror movies i watched the cube it was so so long yes. ago though yeah and it's they're not very good because they're old and it's but yeah i remember watching those a long time ago and that seems like 
they did escape rooms before escape rooms were a thing, except it was mm-hmm. just in a fucking cube. Yeah. So. But yeah, I'll, I want to check those out now. Yeah, but definitely check out the first one. And the second one just it got better with more plot twists. All right. All right. I'm sold. And then let's see. I also watched, if I'm going to stick on the movie train, okay. I watched Out of Death. So what is that? I haven't heard of that. It's a newer Bruce Willis movie. Ooh. And the premise is it's so fucking bad I can't even like as soon as you said modern Bruce Willis like I don't think he's made a good movie in like 10 years. It's it's something to the tune of he's a retired cop or something. Of course. And I I could be butchering all of this cuz like it was so fucking bad that I struggled to pay attention to it. Okay, fair enough. That and tracks. Some girl is kind of like out in the woods and like fuck, fuck nowhere and she kind of witnesses some corrupt cops do some corrupt shady shit. And then Bruce Willis somehow comes into the mix of all this and decides that he's going to protect her from these corrupt police officers. And then it's just kind of like a little, I don't know, not a battle, but like them trying to escape this corrupt police force. And like, like I said, I'm probably absolutely butchering it. Fair enough. It was, it was terrible. Oh my fucking God, man. It was so bad. It was, it was so, so like the, the IMDB fucking tag is a corrupt sheriff's department in a rural mountain town comes undone when an unintended witness throws a wrench into their shady operation. All right. All right. And it's, it's Bruce Willis and Jamie King and it's, it's bad. Like I, I I don't know what else to say other than I've seen some bad movies in my day, but like. This was, I don't know, like, it's so fucking bad. Okay. Like, it's sitting at three out of ten stars on fucking IMDb. Like, I'm, it's Rotten Tomatoes. So the critic is zero, <laughs> and audience is 43. Audience is 43. Yeah. That's, that's far too high for an audience score. Yes. Right. Like like I've said, like I've seen some bad movies and they're like, okay, this is terrible, but you watch it fucking through and you push through and you get through anyway, and you're like, this is bad, but like whatever. Yeah. But like this one was just so fucking bad that like I couldn't even focus. And like I wasn't distracted, like, okay, I'm gonna watch this and then like I'm gonna play on my phone and kind of keep it going in the background. Like, I was doing nothing but watch this movie, and I still couldn't pay attention. I was, like, looking around the room, and, and it's like, oh, yeah. what, what just happened there? Who fucking cares? <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. It was, it was absolutely terrible, and honestly, kind of sad to see Bruce Willis go from, you know... What he was to what he is now. Yeah, because clearly he's just at the point where he's, like... He's either trying to set some kind of fucking record for like the amount of movies that he's starred in, so he's just taking everything, or the dude's just like, okay, hold on, you're gonna pay me five million dollars and it's five days of shooting in some backcountry? Yeah, fuck, okay, yeah, I'll mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, because there's no fucking way that he read this script and was like, this sounds like something I can get into. This sounds like a good story well-rounded characters a nice first second third act the conclusion's really neat i think this will be good there's no fucking way he did any of that like yes 
it is complete and total garbage. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like, absolutely fucking terrible. All right. All right. That doesn't surprise me given his track record lately. Yeah, I don't. It's just, it's so bad, man. Like, yeah. yeah. It's always crazy to see, like, careers where it's like, they start so strong, right? Like, I still watch Die Hard every year. You know, it's it's still an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's got some really good stuff. You know, Armageddon is fucking great. You know, like, like he's done some good stuff. And then, like, you just look at his later career and it's like, I don't want to watch any of that. Yeah, I don't know what happened, man. But, like, if I, if I would have paid... And to see this in a theater, like I kid you not, by like the 30 minute mark, I would have left. I would have just, I would have walked out and just been like, well, there goes fucking 15 bucks. Yeah. That's fair. Just, yeah. I've got nothing but negative things to say. And to anyone who's actually listening to this, do not waste your time. All right. Because it was straight flaming garbage. It's worse than any of the fucking Fast and Furious movies. And those are a fucking garbage masterpiece right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, so that's that. And then right. other than that, I uh, finally, after several friends kept convincing me I need to watch it, I burned off the first season of uh, Solar Opposites. So what is this? It's the same... So, like, Rick and Morty's done by Dan Harmon and Justin something or other. Okay. You can't Justin Rowland? I want yes. to say is his name. So Solar Opposites is just Justin Rowland doing like a sideshow, but it's got like the same, like a lot of the same voice guys. Okay. So like the guy who voices Rick, he voices the main character in this. And like it's got good, like it's sitting in like the first season sitting at 92% on Rotten Tomatoes and the second season sitting at 100%. All right. All so right. like, that ain't bad. Pretty, pretty well reviewed, but it's just it's like another animated kind of Rick and Morty esque, okay, weird wonky humor, and it's an alien family and their ship crash lands on Earth, and they have to fix it. So they're like, okay, I guess fuck it. In the meantime, while we try and fix this ship, we're just gonna live on Earth. Okay, all right. So it's kind of like like a father esque figure, another dude, and then like two younger kids. And All right. everyone knows that they're aliens. They just kind of like everyone just like accepts it. So like the kids go to school and the father like tries to fix the ship. And then the other like older adult alien or whatever just is like trying to adapt to earth life. So he like gets into TV shows and stuff like that. But right. a group of aliens flee their planet after it's destroyed by an asteroid and end up on earth. They're unfamiliar with everything and don't understand human culture. And they don't know what's real and what's fake. That's yeah. That's like that's like the summary of it. It's it's not a bad show. Like it's it's. I don't find it as funny as like Rick and Morty. Right. But definitely, I can see how like people who enjoy Rick and Morty will definitely enjoy Solar Opposites. Okay, so one of those shows. Like if you like these, just check it out. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, that's really that's really all I got on that. Yeah, that's all I got. All right. I guess we'll uh, we'll end her on that note. 
Yeah. And uh, as always, if you have a question or a thought or anything, feel free to email us at tuningthroughthestatic at gmail.com. All right. Catch you on the next one. Later.